0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're tuned into the Believe in Bingo show with Solomon Wilcott and Adam Pac Man Jones. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Believe in Bingo podcast delivered by 828 Logistics. I'm Solomon Wilcott. And the gentleman that we have joining us here today uh, is a very good friend. And of course, he, you know him better as the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs one, Eric enemy who's also a former Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to get to that in a minute. But, E.B., how you doing, my man? Doing good, bro. Doing good. I'll tell you what, Sally. It's good
1: to have this opportunity to talk to you. Uh, good, to, good to have an opportunity to talk to some former Bengals. I, I will say this. That was a hard-fought game this past <laughs> week. <laughs>
0: hey, man, look, you guys get uh, the win. It was a rematch from last year's AFC title game. You guys get the win over the Bengals, 23-20. to I got to tell you, you broke a lot of hearts here in the Queen City. Uh, So just kind of tell us, what was the focus going into this game, a team that you guys had lost three in a row to, so I know you were really dialed in. What was the focus leading into the AFC title game? Uh, The
1: focus was this. We knew it was going to be a game of chess. Obviously, they've done a hell of a job offensively attacking our defense uh, and vice versa. We've done a heck of a job of attacking their defense. The biggest thing was no turnovers. We wanted to go into the game with zero turnovers. And then on top of that, just understanding that we have to win the situational matchups. And so I thought we did a great job of that. But obviously we had a turnover, created an additional uh, drive for their offense. Mm -hmm. But when it was all said and done with, Solly, the biggest focus was just straining to finish. Yes. Because this game was going to come down to a one-session game or one-score yeah. type scenario. And I just harped to our guys. I told our guys, listen, every time we play these guys, it's come down to the end, all right? That's right. That's At right. some point, somebody's going to have to strain and make a play. And, I mean, Pat, I mean, he goes out with an injury briefly the previous yeah. week. Mm-hmm. And he comes back in this game, he makes a hell of a play with his feet, scrambles with his legs, and makes a play. How ironic is that, you know, especially coming off the injury yeah. that he had.
0: You know, I, I don't like when people try to put me in a position to try to tell them who's the best quarterback, Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? These two guys are so young to be playing the game at the level that they're playing it at is out of this world. You know the complicated things that go into playing that position. I don't want to have to choose between the two. I know Pat's your guy and Burrow's here in Cincinnati, but I love watching both of them go at it. Help us to understand for someone who coaches that position and calling plays on Sunday what these two quarterbacks have to do to be able to help their team to achieve victory. Well, first of all,
1: it's it's all about their playmaking ability. Pat always does a great job of understanding that, hey, he got to put us in the best position, but on top of that, just execute the offense. And when it's time to make a play, be creative, but also understand that we have to take care of the football. So the thing I love about Pat, and I always give this analogy because guys always ask, what is it like, you know, being in that room with him, coaching him? Yeah, uh, I said, you know, I always tell guys this. Pat is one of those guys that could have played ball with us because he has that <laughs> temperament. He yeah. doesn't care about numbers, yeah. you know, as dynamic of a football player he is mm-hmm. and you know all the stats that he's had and amazed over the years. Yeah. The thing is that he loves he just loves to win and yeah. he's going to do whatever it takes to win. He's a sun up to sundown type of guy yeah. and you just love all those attributes he play he brings to the game. Now, the kid Joe Burrow, Joe is special. Obviously yeah. You know, I'm originally from New Orleans. And don't Uh get me wrong, I I did the majority of my growing up in the L.A. area. But I've always been an LSU fan. And so just watching that kid at LSU and Mm. what he accomplished, and then just the battles that we've had for the past four consecutive games, you can't help but be amazed at what that kid has done. He's an outstanding quarterback. And I'm going to tell you, we got two young guns. I mean, it's it's going to be a battle from every year, <laughs> from right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's you know, why I
0: said. About, Go ahead, you I'm sorry. Forget
1: about the kid in, in, in Buffalo either. In That's right.
0: Oh, he's special. Uh, he's special. And I, I tell everyone just, in, just enjoy what you know, Patrick Mahomes and, and Joe Burrow are giving us. Because I think by the time their careers are over, I think they a make one another better because they're both diehard competitors. And they're going to give us some of the best football that I think our league has ever seen. I, I want to go back and tell our, our viewers a story, because I remember you and I, we were at the Super Bowl. We were on Radio Row, um, I think it was following the 2017 season going into 2018. You guys had kind of made that uh, the decision that offseason that Patrick was going to be the guy going into uh, the next season in 2018. And I remember you telling me uh, about this young man, but more importantly, you talked about his father about Pat Mahomes Sr., what kind of guy he is. And I know what kind of coach you are. And I said, can he take it, E.B.? And you said, oh, I know he can because I know his father. I know who raised him. So tell us a little bit about Pat Mahomes Sr. and how that's played a role in the player that Pat Jr. has become.
1: So Pat Mahomes Sr., obviously he was a baseball player during the same time we were playing in the league, actually. And uh, just watching him and knowing him, And having that opportunity to really sit down and meet him and talk with him, first thing he said is, uh, listen, E.B., if you ever have a problem with my son, I'm giving you the right, you know. (laughs) (laughs) To go there, to go there. (laughs) I said, well, I said, all right. And and from that point on, you just knew the type of kid he was. And Pat's a kid that can take tough coaching. He wants to be coached. He wants you to be very critical of the things that he needs to improve upon, but that's what makes it fun because you don't necessarily have to clean up anything he's doing because he auto corrects himself. Yeah. And so, the thing I love about him—he loves to be coached. On top of that, mm-hmm. he's going to do everything under the sun to try and keep you off of his back.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's
1: what you—he's a competitive kid. You just love his work ethic, and he's just one of those human beings that I wish everybody can have an opportunity just to be around and see how he operates on a day-to-day basis.
0: He is a treat, there's no doubt. And now you're going to the third Super Bowl in five years, man. Is this getting old for you? Ah, man, it's just (laughs) just beginning to get a little bit more fun. (laughs) (laughs) I I bet it is. Look, I want to go back to that championship game. We were talking about uh, Patrick Mahomes, the kind of special player he is at quarterback. How is it that you guys can lose, what, three of your top wide receivers in this game? You guys got seven rookies who played in the AFC title game. And I'm not just saying played a little bit here. They were starting. They played in significant roles in the secondary. George Karloftis and Trent McDuffie. Um, You had seven rounders, right, Um, in in the backfield uh, in your secondary and in Isaiah Pacheco. How do you have so many rookies playing in that big of a game where they are able to answer the call?
1: First of all, let me just go from the beginning. It starts with our personnel department, it starts with Brett Veach. I mean, Veach has done a hell of a job of bringing in some great players. Obviously, our head coach, Mm -hmm. Coach Andy Reid, has done a great job of putting together a collective staff of teachers who don't mind teaching and developing young players because if you don't develop them, it's going to cost you at mm-hmm. some point in time. So you might as well take advantage and teach these young men how to operate in those high-pressure moments. And I'll keep attributing our coaching staff again. Our guys did a heck of a job because we're not afraid of playing our young guys. Yeah, Our young guys, we know that at some point in time, those guys are going to have to make a play or two to help us to get to, uh, to accomplish the goal. And I thought those guys did a heck of a job But just going out there and playing fearless. Yeah. Um, we got a young runner in Isaiah Pacheco, who's a seventh rounder, a seventh rounder, <laughs> but he plays with absolutely no fear because we're not afraid of our guys going out there and making mistakes,
0: yeah.
1: okay? We know that mistakes will happen. We don't want them repeating mistakes, but we want them to learn and build from that. And so that's how we operate as a foundation, as a coaching staff. And so we expect those guys to be at their best when their best is needed. And I thought they did a hell of a job, especially this past weekend in the AFC Championship.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sky Moore gets a 29-yard punt return. He found a way to chip in and make a few plays. Three rookies playing in the secondary against guys like Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Man, that was putting in work. It was really um, interesting to see. Now, you know, I'm sitting there uh, rooting for, you know, my Bengals. And then after the game was over, I had to kind of shake it off a little bit. And I said, all right, now, EB, y'all got to go win this thing. So let's let's talk about this Philadelphia Eagles team that you're going to face. Man, this is a defense. They're sitting there with, what, about 78 sacks going into the Super Bowl. We had not seen a team do this. This is the 85 Chicago Bears. So tell me, um, what are you facing as you turn on the tape and start to diagnose what they're doing defensively? It's hard looking past the front to even get back to the secondary <laughs> that's right, that's just because
1: right. of what you just said. Yeah. The biggest thing, solid, and the biggest challenge, we got to keep our quarterback upright. We got to keep him Those guys do a hell of a job. And, I mean, they're too deep, and they're rolling guys. Yeah. When you see guys like Ndamukong Sue and Robert Quinn as backups in their nickel
0: package, it's like, wait a minute. You know, what the hell is going on? <laughs> they got starters uh, subbing for starters. Like, what, you know, this is just crazy. So, and even in that secondary, I've always been a big fan of Darius Slay, James Bradbury, man, I don't know how the Giants even let him get out of there. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, who you well know. Um, man, these guys are as good on the back end as they are on the front end.
1: They're they're solid defense overall from top to bottom. I mean, these guys are doing a hell of a job. You just don't make it to the Super Bowl without them playing complimentary ball together. And so, yes, we do have a challenge and we got to face that challenge. But we also know if we're giving our guy a chance to stand upright, we will have some success. Now, we obviously got to be able to run it. But more importantly, we just got to make sure that we understand this game is going to come down to a number of maybe – one, two, or three plays, okay? So our focus is making sure that our guys understand the importance of maximizing every opportunity that is presented to them and just living in that moment. You gotta be able to play through the highs and you gotta be able to play through the lows and make sure you remain poised under pressure by also playing to the echo of the whistle. And at the end of the game, we gotta find a way to strain the finish. That's gonna be the
0: difference. EB, look, man. Uh, You played nine years in the NFL. You stopped through Cincinnati where you spent four seasons. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I want to talk about your last season where you spent with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, You were in this room where all these guys that end up playing for Andy end up becoming coaches in this league. And and all of you guys are doing very well. So that tells me something about Andy that he looks out for his guys Uh, But you guys seem to learn a lot of football from him. So what's the biggest takeaway from you playing for Andy, coaching under Andy to help you to become the coach that you currently are?
1: First of all, he's consistent. The person has never changed, okay? He is the same coach in 1999, uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) and he's the same coach. In 2022, 2023. And so that's what makes him who he is. But on top of that, he's a teacher, okay? Mm -hmm. i never forget how those install meetings used to go when we were sitting in those meetings, and he would go through and specifically talk about the details and the fundamentals just by position on what needed to be done. And so you absorbed all that information and you ended up applying it on game day. And so- those are the things and the attributes that I've taken from him. But on top of that, he's just one of those coaches that expect you to be at your best when your best is needed. Yeah. And so that's what makes Coach Reed special. And he's done it for a number of years and have had a great deal of success, not only with the players, but, I mean, you think about his coaching tree and all the coaches that are spread throughout the league that's that have right. had uh, some head coaching uh, success and as well as positional coaching. So it's, it's a, it's a great experience. Uh, I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. Obviously uh, we got another challenge this week. We got to go back and we got to (laughs) go back in time and and, and play against the Philadelphia Eagles, which I know it's probably going to be somewhat of an emotional deal for coach because that's beginning, but Mm -hmm. you, you know what they say, Hey, (laughs) in that game, we got to let it all hang loose and, we got to find a way to drag ourselves across the finish line and find a way to win this one for the big fella.
0: That's right. And for our viewers, Andy Reid spent 14 seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles, won over 100 games as the head coach there before coming over to the Kansas City Chiefs. You've been the offensive coordinator for five years. Each of the five years, you've gone to the uh, conference championship game, third time now going to a Super Bowl. I can't remember an offensive coordinator um, for anything to have this run of success during your early days of being able to call plays on the sideline. I, I want to talk about just the creativity and the fun that you and coach Andy Reed and Patrick Mahomes, you guys seem to every single game, there's something in the game plan that has to get the player's attention. Um, that's so creative that keeps the defense on their toes. Just kind of talk about that thought process where you guys are just seemingly always willing to have fun creating these wonderful plays that the fans really enjoy
1: coach is real huge about our players, you know, letting our players personality show. And so the thing that we want them to do, we want them to have fun because do not get me wrong. We work hard and we want these guys to go out there and enjoy the game, but there are some opportunities that come out throughout the course of the week. And we just allow these guys to, to, to brew them up. We dial them up, draw up all these different deals and, Sometimes the players come with some of these ideas as well, and they they make it happen. And wow. the thing that I love about it, Sally is this, okay? When they're having fun, all right, they're going to find a way to make the play work.
0: That's right. Because that's they're right. going
1: to take ownership in it. There you go. And so that's the beauty of it, and that's the fun in it. And we're not allowed to – I mean, we're not uh, – we don't get all uptight about these guys wanting to do it. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun because we ask of them a lot. So why not allow them to have an opportunity
0: to go out there and just do something creative and have some fun with it? Excellent teaching, by the way, because you know how players are. You put their name on it. um, You create their personality and have them to have some imprint on it. Oh, they're going to find a way to make it work. (laughs) They're going to make it work because they know they'll never get one dialed up for them again. Ever. <laughs>
1: exactly. exactly.
0: Hey, I want to talk to you about your four years here. What do you remember during your four years playing for the Bengals? I know you got to know um, Mike Brown very well, Katie and Troy. You got to know the family very well. And that was a unique time because Boomer Esiason had come back for a second stint uh, with the Bengals. What do you remember about your your four years here with the Bengals? You know what? Believe it or not, and I know
1: it was a tough time to do it for us, but I had a great deal of fun. Yeah. So, first of all, I had an opportunity to play with Darnay Scott and Carl Pickens, yeah. you know, at Kajana Carter, Garrison Hurst. That's right. Um, on top of that, Corey Dillon. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Jeff Blake, Boomer Sison, you know, and I'm not even talking about the guys on defense, the John Copeland, the big daddies of the world. That's right. You know, That's Dan right. Wilkinson. <laughs> uh, then 5-0. <laughs> oh, that's right. A lot of names, man. Yeah. That's right. So it was a lot of relationships that were established during that particular time. I had an opportunity to grow as a person, but also grow as a professional. Mm-hmm. And so uh every year when I go to the combine, I always tell Mike Brown and Katie and, and Paul, you know, hey, thank you for the opportunity. Because I had and I had a great time, my four years there and they took care to be enemies, yeah, and they gave yeah. me an opportunity to to come back, but I ended up leaving, but I will mm-hmm. say this. I am grateful for the opportunity in those four years that I had uh, spent in Cincinnati. Now, I got to add this, too. Mike hitting the nickelback, number 21, I told yeah. him, I said, man, you representing, you're wearing that 21 jersey pretty much. That's
0: wet. right, that's hey,
1: right. You was representing <laughs> the height and size,
0: so I think. <laughs> This means something to me. Uh, hey, man, he be bringing it, man. I, I, I We love that player. guy. We love he's him. Hell of a player. You know, I, I tell the story. I remember you. Um, And look, I grew up in Los Angeles. You went to high school there. I know you were born and raised in New Orleans. Then your family moved to L.A. where you went to Bishop of Mont High School. Everybody wanted you. We wanted you to come to Boulder. And, uh, you know, we finally got you. And I remember telling you, I said, hey, man, You come here, you're going to be the face of the program. And and I felt that because you had this tremendous leadership about you. Um, And look, you know, you in that class that came in 87, by the time you were done in your senior year, you end up uh, as the third finalist for Heisman Trophy, uh, a consensus All-American, a conference player of the year, decorated, and you brought home a national championship. So, let, first of all, let's just go let them know about that. You, <laughs> you, you brought home that national championship. But I, I tell everybody, it started with, with Eric Bieni, because you were just this fiery dude that had this sense of leadership about you that everyone, I mean, everyone, lined up and followed. Coach Matt used to say, the littlest guy is the toughest guy. <laughs> and He's like, and it it's number one. He was talking about you. So just kind of help me to understand, man, where did that energy come from? Where did that fire come from? And where does that leadership style that you bring to your coaching, where does it come from? You know, um, I don't know.
1: I I guess I I just inherited as as a young man and growing up and always being the guy that was told you're too small to do anything and everything. And so I took it personal. Yeah. And I always accepted the challenge because I always wanted to prove others wrong. Mm. And if I felt if I was going to work, I felt that if we're going to do this, we all have to work just as hard to accomplish any goals that we want to accomplish. So yeah. I've been blessed and fortunate to uh, have a mother. That didn't take anything, and I mean, she she told me, hey, if you want anything in life, you got to work hard for it, and sometimes you have to punch that clock for extra hours in order to become who you want to become, and so I've always taken on that mindset of just finding ways to be resilient and always finding ways to create a culture of second effort, and Mm -hmm. so if you can be resilient and you learn to work with some second effort, you can you can accomplish any goal that you want to accomplish. Now I got to add this too, Sally. Mm-hmm. You know, going into that year when we went in, I mean, you had the Alpha Williams the, uh, right. of the world, the Kenavus McGees of the world, both That's the College right. Hall of Fame players, mm-hmm. the Mike Richards of the world, That's the right. Joe Stees, the George Hemingways. That was just the beginning. I mean, Jay Leuenberg, yeah. you know, Greg Beaker. We had a number of players who came in mm-hmm. during that time and established a foundation because you guys had set it. Yeah. We just carried the torch, and obviously we were blessed and fortunate to play for two national championships back-to-back. We ended up winning it, yeah. and um, it ain't the same, but I will say this. Those times and those memories, yeah. you know, I mean, there was a lot of great times that we spent together, mm-hmm. but just on top of that, just the people. You know, it's all about the relationship yeah. building. That's right. That's right. And, you know, people that you work with and just – you know, it's more stories that are told than just those national championship stories, but it was a great time in, uh, in history. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. Look, it took a lot of work in, in getting it to that level. You know, that a lot of blood, sweat and tears. We are all part of the, I thought what well, was a very special time. And I, I told coach prime, I say, look, um, we did it once. We built it from the ground up and you can do it again. Um, and, and he's excited about that challenge. Now, there's free agency in college football now. You, know, you 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 can go all in and you don't have to wait uh, all those years, right, to get it turned around. So just kind of give me your thoughts on Coach Prime. You know, he's wearing uh the black and gold now. He's uh pulling, pulling the wagon for the buffs. So your thoughts on 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 the expectations of what we can accomplish with him as our head coach.
1: Well, here's the thing. I'm fired up and excited for him. I'm yeah. fired up and excited for his staff, and for those players. Now, I don't want to blow the expectations out of the wall. I mean, out of the out of the walls, because I know, you know, when you're building something, it takes time. It does, so that's right. It one does. thing I am going to preach to our fans and to our alums is just be patient. Mm-hmm. Allow him to establish it the way he yeah. wants. Mm-hmm. And the rest will take care of itself, because obviously yeah. he's proven that. He proved it down at Jackson State. Yeah. Now he has more amenities and, and more oh, yeah. you know, avenues to reach out to different kids and get them to to, to come up and, and play in Boulder. And so I'm fired up, I'm excited, but also too, my expectations are not above.
0: <laughs> yeah, anything. the reality I of the situation. Want, I, yeah.
1: I just want them to make the necessary improvement because I know in time, if we give him the amount of time, it will happen. You know, it's going to happen, but it's going to be special because he's bringing a different energy in that,
0: uh, in the entire Boulder community. See, it reminds me of the energy you brought when, when number one stepped out on the field, man. It, it was different, and everybody knew they had to bring it, or EB was going to let them know. There ain't no doubt about it. Still the same way, too. I watch you, man. You're still coaching the same way, still got that same energy. Uh, I know your mom is proud of you. I know I'm proud of you. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on the Believe in Bingle podcast. I'm going to see you in Glendale, Arizona. I'll be there and we'll get, uh, get some time together to get with the fellas. Okay.
1: Well, thank you, Sally. I appreciate this opportunity. And it's always good to talk to my, my mentor and my former buff. And I, I will say this, it's always great having this opportunity. And, uh, You do an outstanding job, bro. And I have to say this in front of everyone. I always listen to your show every single morning. (laughs) Okay,
0: okay. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. I make sure that I keep it real because I know you'll let me know if I stray out of bounds on something. So you are the best, man. I greatly appreciate you. uh, And we will see you soon. Everyone, thank you for joining us right here on the Believe in Bigel podcast delivered by 828 Logistics on Valley Sports Ohio. We'll see you next time.